Raise your hand and these guys will be glad to give you one. Limber your fingers up because we'll be a couple of different places today. Go ahead and turn to Matthew. We'll start out there. Matthew 16. We'll be moving around. Somebody put potting soil in my glasses. There's one over here. Jim. Thank you. Y'all awake? It's nice weather, isn't it? We need to go outside and do this. Have it on the parking lot. The one Sunday we're going to do that, but it's nice. We're just going to pick up our chairs, go out in the parking lot, and then bring the chairs back in when we're done. Only problem is you won't be able to hear me, but it really doesn't matter. I did a wedding one time at the Brooks Museum. No, it was at the Pink Palace. Beautiful outside wedding, 400, 450 people. And we had the rehearsal inside because it was raining and lightning and thunder. I said, okay, tomorrow we're going to be outside. He says, no, I think we'll end up in here. The weather doesn't look good. Well, we get there the next day, the weather's perfect. So guess where it is? Outside. And I had on this black robe. It's about 900 degrees. And I went up. Peter, actually, Peter was, was inside where his air conditioner playing the piano. He had the music part. He always has the easy part. You notice that? So I go up to the guy who runs it. This guy has one job, run the events for the Pink Palace. Nice, really nice young man. I said, uh, where's my microphone? He said, you don't need a microphone. I said, last night I didn't need a microphone because we were in a small enclosed room that echoes and I got a loud mouth. But today we're outside. There's 450 people in wide open spaces. I might need a microphone. He goes, oh, no, no. He said, the acoustics are good. <laughs> I said, all right, I guess. Uh, so I'm screaming. You know, the, the way, Do you? Take this woman. I said, I'm not mad at you, man, but they can't hear me. They couldn't hear, but like three rows back. So finally I said, y'all want to get married? Yeah, all right, that's cool. All right. A couple things I want to mention to you before we get started today. Number one, it happens every, every, every uh, season as we're signing up for sports. Uh, people forget and miss it. If you want your child to play t-ball, coach pitch, baseball, softball, you need to sign them up today. Uh, Chris Brown will be out in the lobby afterwards. He's got the forms, and uh, we just need to find out where we are, how many teams we're going to have, what leagues, so we can look for leagues, places to put them. So if you want your child to play, you don't have to pay the money today, even though we'd like for you to. They're not officially signed up till you do. But if you think you want your child to play, please see Chris afterwards so we can at least get some idea of where we are. And one other thing, if you'll make a note, write it down, or if you can remember for your prayer list, our senior founding pastor, Brother John, um, you've seen him now. He's been out here enough. Most of you know who Brother John is. And he's having, this Wednesday, having to have a heart cath and um, uh, see if he needs a couple of stents or uh, we're praying not open heart surgery. So he called me, I don't know, Friday or Saturday because he knew I'd had a million. I said, they're doing it, by the way, in the Randy Lockley Honorary Cath Lab at... St. Francis on Park because uh, I've had so many. But uh, he'll find out Wednesday. As my cardiologist said, that's the gold standard. They'll know when they get in there. So uh, 
be praying for him. I think, and uh, that's this Wednesday. He's having that heart catheterization. All right, Matthew 16. Turn there, and we will get there momentarily. Here we are in March. It's crazy to believe it's already March. At the end of this month, in just, uh, let's see, three weeks, we'll be celebrating Easter Sunday. And one of the re- as we got into this series, if you'll look there on your handouts, we got into this series about answers because truth matters. You can have answers. You can be confident that what you believe is the truth. And we began by talking about how do you know there's a God. We began talking about how do you know the Bible, the God of the Bible is God. We dealt with the last week or so, a couple of weeks, uh, the problem of evil. How do, you, how do you answer that if there is a loving God? Leading up to, as we head toward Easter, what we're going to begin to look at today. Is Jesus the only way to know God? Now, if you really want to hack somebody off that you work with or you know or that's in your family who's not a believer, what can you say to them? That without Jesus, you have no hope, right? Without Jesus, you'll spend eternity separated from God. Without Jesus, you will go to hell. Without Jesus, there is no peace. There's no eternal life. As Lee Strobel has said, this question that Jesus is the only way to know God, when we articulate that as believers, it, we become a cross in the minds of others as arrogant, snobbish, elitist, or as my family might call, you think you're better than I am, huh? That's kind of, that's kind of the way we would say it in our uh, family. You think you're better than me? Goody two shoes. And I can vividly remember as a 16-year-old kid in 1970, and I'd gotten saved and going home and trying to share my faith with my mom and my dad and my two brothers, and I did not do it well. Uh, my, my point was, you know you're going to hell, right? That's kind of how I would start out. Uh, that did not go over well, especially with my dad, the World War II veteran who I, I had to dodge a couple of fists. But uh, over time, they began to understand it. It really changed me, and they saw it. And, and one of the things that we're going to look at in this particular aspect is they realized that I was serious about it from age 16 going forward. And then and, and Mary and I got married at, uh, I was 19, and, and she was six, I think, and so young, and in college and how important it was to me, and then I'm working with kids and all the stuff that I was doing. They saw that it was serious for me, but here's their response. It's very, very common, and I, you probably have run into this. Their response, like many of people that you may, if you witness and share your faith, and, and again, on my recommended reading list, Paul Copan's book, that's true for you, but not what? Not true for me. That's cool if you want to believe that. That's fine, but that's not what I believe. Now, I want you to look at the top of your handout, 1 Peter 3.15. We mentioned it. For weeks now, really important that we get this verse. It's one you need to memorize if you haven't already. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That simply means set him aside as holy. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The way I did it was I read up to the point of giving a reason, then I stopped with the meekness and fear part. I never read that far. That means gentleness and respect. Please get this point. You miss everything else, get this. 
as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as the church of Jesus Christ, as Christians, Christ followers, whatever term you want to use. Yes, we believe Jesus is the only way a man can know God. Yes, we believe the Bible. And yes, we believe it to be the truth. That's important. We're going to walk through that. But here, I want to start by saying this. And I'll probably say it every week. It's really important that we treat people who disagree with us with gentleness and respect. That we love them, that we care about them, we respect what they believe, even though we know it's stupid. Okay, I didn't... It, don't say it that way, because that's what I would have done. Don't do it that way. Find out where they are. How many times have you heard me say, everybody has a what? Philosophy of life. Everybody has a belief system. Everybody does. My younger brother's philosophy of life is what? Anybody remember? We've mentioned it many times. Me and God got our own thing going on. We're cool. I always told him that I thought that was a country song. I wasn't sure that was a philosophy of life. But that's his. He's, his response would be, Randy, I think that's great for you, but me and God got our own thing going on. I don't need to hear about Jesus. But he's going to hear about him anyway. Why? Because I love him. Now, again, back to 1 Peter 3.15. How do we do that? That's so important. We do it how? Meekness and fear or gentleness and respect. Disagree. That's great. One of the things we talked about in proving that there was a God was understanding that human beings are different. We're not like dogs. We're not like apes. We're not like other primates. We're different. We have a soul. We have a spirit. We have an intellect. We have the capacity to emote, to think, to create. So one of the ways we know there's a God is that we're different. We didn't evolve. A superior being made us in his image. And so we have to respect every human being, no matter where they come from, we respect their belief system, and we want to talk to them about it. We want to dialogue. We want to understand where they're coming from. And hopefully they will give us the same respect in return, and then we share our faith. Why do I believe in Jesus? Why do I believe Jesus is the only way a man can know God? I'm not putting down what you believe. I'm just saying, this is where I'm coming from. Let me share with you why. And then you pray for them and share again, given another opportunity. I did that for years and years and years. Still am doing it with my two brothers. My parents have both passed away. My mom was, was very receptive early on. My dad was not, and we did not have a good relationship. But when he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease in his 70s, and he knew it's a death sentence, you get Lou Gehrig's disease, he knew it. He was really receptive then. And we had very good conversations. When I was a kid, after initially, when I would try to talk to my dad, and I'll talk to that polo, that polo will be saved before I get through with it. I would talk to anybody, anywhere, total strangers. I didn't care because I thought it was cool to talk about Jesus, except my dad would get stuck right here. But my dad was, you heard me say, my dad was John Wayne, World War II veteran, just a tough man. And we had no relationship, but I knew God loved him, and I knew Jesus loved him, and it was incumbent upon me because I was a Christian to make it work. And I didn't do it well for years, probably in my 30s before I did it well. And, but God just kept convicting me. It's important you understand. We start with that because it matters. Turn to Matthew 16, 13. 
title of this series is Truth Matters. It's really going to be important. You're really going to see it as we look at this particular subject. Is Jesus the only way to God? Because the bottom line is it doesn't matter if Jesus is the only way to God if it's not the truth. But if it is the truth, it matters because it's eternal. It's the most important decision every human being can make. Is what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Everyone has to make it. Everyone does make it. For those who reject Jesus, they've made that decision. For those who say there is no God, Jesus was just a great man, prophet, teacher, whatever he was, if he existed. Some people don't even believe he existed. But it, let's just say he did. You certainly can prove that. Just another great man, really good man, great teacher, founded a pretty cool religion in the minds of many. But as we're going to see, he makes a very stark claim. You notice John 14, 6. We'll get to that probably next week. But John 14, 6, Jesus said very clearly, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but now, that's pretty straightforward, right? Even though I've heard people preach, well, let me tell you what he really meant. No, what he meant was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to see the Heavenly Father, guess who the door you got to go through? Me. Now, here's the point. He was either the way, the truth, and the life, or the only way a man can know God, or he was crazy, or he was a con artist, right? Those are the options. He was crazy. He was a con artist, or he was God. You can't have it any way you want to. We'll talk about that as we walk through. It matters. Look at Matthew 16, 13. 16, 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, remember, these are the guys that are with him, following him, seeing him perform miracles. These are the guys who said, I want to be with you. I want to follow you. So Jesus asked them, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Just a little side note. Jesus, the, the most common reference in the script, the, the Gospels, Jesus referring to himself is, I am the Son of Man. Now, we understand that, and we think, well, he said that because he was also a man. Yes, that's true, but that's not why he used it. The reason Jesus called himself the Son of Man, it's an Old Testament reference to the Messiah. You can see it in Daniel, that the Messiah would be called the Son of Man. That's why Jesus constantly referred to himself as what? Very good. All right, who do you... Who do men, people you talk to, your peers, people your family, you interact with, who do they say that I am, the Son of Man am? So they said, his disciples said, some say you're John the Baptist, the great baptizer. Some say Elijah, the great prophet. Others, Jeremiah, another great prophet, or one of the prophets. Verse 15. So notice, excuse me, verse 14. Notice, their response to Jesus was, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah back in the place. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're another one of the prophets. In other words, everybody says, somebody, they all say, by and large, you're a great man. Right? Any of them say he was God? Not the response. Notice what Jesus said. He said to them, what's the next word? My favorite word in the Bible. But who do you say that I am? It does not matter what the person sitting next to you thinks. Ultimately, it does. But the most important thing in your life, your mind, and the people you interact with is who do you say that I am. I don't want to know what your, your brother says. 
I don't want to know what your mom says. I don't want to know what your dad says. I don't want to know what your spouse says. I want to know what you say. Because when I stand before God, I'm not going to be like, you know, I was married to Mary. You ought to let me in for that. I mean, I, I stayed married to her 40-something years. Lord, you ought to let me in for that. That's not going to be good enough, is it? Lord, I was a preacher. Gosh, 32 years at least, Lord. I, I, I preach for you. Here's the question. Who do you say that Jesus is? That's all that matters. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. Greek, Greek definite article, meaning unique, only one. There is no other. And Christ means Messiah. You are the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. You are God in the flesh. Come to redeem us. That's what he's saying from the mind of a Jew. That's what he's saying. You are the son of the living God. Jesus says, I'm the only way. He's either arrogant, crazy, or con artist, or it's the truth. C.S. Lewis, in his incredible book, Mere Christianity, if you haven't read it, take some time and read it. And be like sure you're alone when you try to read it. He said this. Being a Christian does not mean thinking. This is so powerful. I can't believe I missed this quote. It's so powerful, so please listen. Being a Christian does not mean thinking that where Christianity differs from other religions, Christianity is right and they are wrong. As in arithmetic, there's only one right answer to a sum, and all other answers are wrong. Some of the wrong answers are much nearer right than others, end quote you on that for a while. That's just one sentence in that book. There are many. Did you hear what he just said? It's not that we're right and they're wrong. It's that there's an answer. That there's truth out there. For example, I ain't real sharp, but two plus two equals what? Two plus two equals what? Doesn't it always equal four? Yeah. Although some people try to say it doesn't, right? Doesn't matter what you say, two plus two equals what? It just does. That's what C.S. Lewis' point is. It's not that we're right and they're wrong. It's that somewhere out there, there's an answer. We believe it's the person of Jesus Christ. We believe it's the person of Jesus Christ. Not everybody agrees. The vast majority don't agree. It doesn't matter whether we're right or they're wrong. It matters is what's the truth. How many times have you heard me say that? It matters. Because truth does what? Set you free. Turn to Acts chapter 4. Quickly. Acts chapter 4. You look at number 1 on your handout. We're going to get to Acts in just a second. Look at number 1 on your handout. Here's the problem. That Christianity and every other religion tries to answer. Here's the problem. Man's separation from God. We've talked about this leading up to, we talked about we're dealing with the problem of evil. What caused our separation from God? Sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. There's not a human being that's walked planet Earth except Jesus Christ that has not sinned. And the word sin means miss the mark. Miss the mark. Fall short. Miss the mark of the glory of God. Glory of God means to give a correct estimate of what God is worth. And every 
human being that's ever walked or will walk planet Earth with the exception of Jesus Christ falls short of glorifying God because we are all born sinners because of Adam and Eve's original sin. That's why there's evil in the world. Because man was created by God with the capacity to love him or reject him. We chose to reject and we brought, as a result, sin. We brought a price to planet Earth. The price is death. Spiritual separation from God. That's the price. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin cause of separation is sin. The price to pay is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So our problem is we're separated from God because of our sin. We're born that way, that's who we are. The price of that, God made it clear in the Garden of Eden, the price of sin is death, both physical and spiritual. We are separated from God. That's what spiritual death is. The Bible in Revelation calls eternal life without God, the lake of fire, the second death. You die, you die again eternally. You're separated from God. Spiritual death, second death. That's the price to be paid for our sin, death. So here's the question. How do you get back? How do we get back in the right relationship with God? That's what religion is. Always has been. Any religion it's simply man trying to figure out the answer to this dilemma that we're separated from God and how can we get back. Christianity has a unique answer. You will see over the next couple of weeks, every other religion on planet Earth that's ever existed is man's attempt to reach up to God and grab a hole. A hole, that's a biblical word. It's our attempt, man's attempt, to reach up and grab God and bridge that gap of separation in some way except one, Christianity. What Christianity says is that God deemed us worthy enough. We didn't have to reach up to him. He came down and became one. Because we couldn't bridge it. Although Timothy, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. That gap is bridged by the cross. No other way. Because he was unique, as we shall see. Religion is man's attempt. What can I do to get back? God says, all have sinned and fall short. What I'll do is come down. Hebrews, I mean Philippians too, that beautiful passage. It's the kenosis or self-emptying passage where the Bible says Jesus humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He became a bond servant by choice and died in our place because he loved us that much. God in the flesh, Emmanuel, he celebrated Christmas, God with us. And as we tread toward Easter, We celebrate God dying in our place, rising from the dead to prove it, conquer it forever, and then saying to us, here's your free gift for God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son. Only begotten son means unique one. 
unique one. So how do you get back? You can't erase the sin problem by being a good person. I tried. You probably tried. Most people are trying. For example, go up to somebody this week, total stranger. I know you like to do this. Go up to a total stranger and say, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven? If you, if you dodge, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven? And if it's somebody you know who will respond without punching, what's their answer going to be? I hope so. I hope so. Unless they know Jesus, what's their answer going to be? Absolutely. Why? Because Jesus is my Savior. That's why we call him that. I can't earn it. I can't, no matter how good I am, good moral person, I can't earn it. He paid the price, we're going to see. I don't have to hope. I know. That's why 1 Peter 3.15, we're given a defense for the hope that's within us. It's not a hope so. It's confident expectation. That's what the word means in Greek. You can't can't erase the same problem with good morals, right living, or heightened awareness through meditation or some other form. You can't. When you wake up, you're still a sinner. Look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. As they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed. And notice who these people are. The people, the Jews, the priests, the Jews, the captain of the temple, Jews, the Sadducees, Jewish, big dogs. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They didn't like the fact they were preaching about Jesus and the resurrection. So they laid hands on them and they put them in custody until the next day. Where it was already evening, they throw them in jail. However, many of those who heard the word believed. Many were believing in Jesus as they preached. The number of the men came to be about 5,000. That's a pretty good day. It came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, again, Jewish leaders, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, these are the big, big dogs, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, they were gathered together at Jerusalem. And they set them in their midst, and they asked them, By what power or by what name have you done this? Stirred up the crowd. Thousands of people coming to you. What are you doing? What are you talking about? Then Peter, verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, they had, a man had been healed by their ministry, by what means has he been made well? Please note the following statement. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel, Jews, that by the name of Jesus, the Messiah, of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole. Then he quotes Jesus' cornerstone. Verse 12, is there salvation in any other? Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Please note that verse. One just Jesus has said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father. But Peter, the leader of the church, is saying what? To the Jews, the most religious people on the planet that all the Jews were looking up to as their religious leaders. uh, Peter says, Jesus is the Christ. He is the only name by which a Jew can be saved. Nobody else. He is the Messiah. Verse 13. 
When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and he perceived they were uneducated and untrained men. I love that. I could have hung out with these guys. He said, they're bold and they're really, they're powerful in what they're doing and they're ignorant. They're uneducated, they're untrained. And what's going on here? They perceived they were uneducated, untrained men. They marveled. Please, I love this, the end of that verse. Remember, these are religious hypocrites, self-righteous. Look at the end of what they said. And they realized they'd been with Jesus. <laughs> I love that. Said, apparently Jesus is doing a work in their lives. Woo, look at them. They've been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing among them, they could say nothing against it. In other words, we could talk about them all we want to, and then they're going to trot the evidence out. What are we going to say then? Do you understand that's what this whole series is about? You could say there is no God. Okay, let's examine the evidence. After you examine the evidence, what do you have to say? Ah, there's no question there's a God. No question. You could say the Bible's not true. Okay, examine the evidence. When you get through, if you're honest, you're objective, you're fair, you examine the Bible, and what do you have to walk away saying? It's the truth. So what it says is true. Then you come to Jesus. Again, it's either the truth, or he's an arrogant con artist, or he's crazy. One or the other. That's just the way it is. They trot the evidence out. So they sent him outside and tell him, don't do this anymore. Don't preach it in the name of Jesus anymore. Verse 19, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. Verse 20, we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. Man, I hope that's you, and I hope, I hope that's me, that Jesus has so changed us that even if the powers that be say, you can't talk about him anymore, our response is what? Well, you're going to have to, and it may, that time, by the way, may come in our country. Who knows? But let's say it does. Are we, you think attendance at church might shrink a little bit? Yeah. That say, you know what? You do what you got to do, but I'm not going to stop talking about Jesus. I can't. I'd like to. But if I stop talking, the rocks are going to cry out, so I might as well do it. It's who I am. I can no more not talk about Jesus than I can not talk about who I am, my name. My family, my church, University of Memphis basketball, whatever it might be that's bugging me, whatever it might be, I cannot help but talk about it. It's who I am. So let's quickly look at number two on your handout. By the way, we're not going to cover all this today. It's just relax. What is man's solution to the problem? The problem is we're separated from God. How are we going to get back? Sin has separated us from God. Death is the price. How in the world are we going to get back in right standing with God so we can go to heaven? Man's solution to that problem is pluralism. Pluralism is man's solution. We live in a politically correct culture, although Donald Trump's trying to change all that. We live in a politically correct society in all kinds of ways. I want us to quickly look at the elements of pluralism, three of them. Number one, all religions are valid. All religions are equally valid. Nobody can claim exclusivity to the truth. Jesus said, I am what? The way, truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So he claimed it. By the way, every other religion does too in one form or the other. We will see that. So here's what they're saying. Pluralism. 
says, all religions are valid. Now, please, don't misunderstand one more time. We believe they're valid in the sense they have the right to believe what they believe. God gave every human being that right. But it does not mean that what they believe is the truth. Is that, is that under, is that make, am I making that clear? It's very important. Because here's what, here's what pluralists say when they say all religions are valid. They're saying fundamentally, all religions teach the same thing. The brotherhood of man, the fatherhood of God. And it really doesn't matter who or what you follow because every path leads where? To the same place. It's the old mountain analogy. God is a mountain. And it doesn't matter how you get to the top of the mountain, just get there. That's what this is saying. All religions are equally valid. They all ultimately lead to the same place. What's the problem with that? Let's reject, let's put Jesus aside for a moment. Let's don't reject him. That might not be a good idea. Let's put him aside for a moment. And you just start examining what every religion teaches. How can that not be true, logically? Because some of the things they teach are contradictory. One might believe this is the way you get there, by cutting off your left foot and walking without a left foot forever. That's the way that God will be pleased with you. Somebody else says, no, 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 you can't do that. You've got to cut off your right foot. Now, are they both They're contradictory? So they can't both be true. They can both be what? Wrong can't both be true because they contradict each other. We'll see more about that as we go through. The logical point is they can't all be true. They contradict each other. Here's the point. They can't all be true. They can all be wrong, including Christianity. They can all be wrong. Or, C.S. Lewis said, there's an answer. There's a sum. There's a truth. One that is true. They can all be wrong. Can't all be right. Logically, they can't all be right. Let's look at it quickly. I want to hit two or three of them. Number one, we'll start with Buddhism. Very popular. Remember, can't all be right. Listen, Buddhism says there is no such thing as an ultimate God. That religion is not about finding God or God's will. Buddha himself did never claim to be divine or had divine teachings. Today, there's probably 355 million plus Buddhists worldwide. Buddha is called the Enlightened One. Lived about 483 B.C. He was born a prince, very wealthy, and he said the following, If I have it all, again, he was a prince, extremely wealthy. If I have it all, why am I not happy? By the way, the Bible addresses that point. Jesus said, was a prophet man to gain the whole world, and yet lose his soul. The Buddha said, I'm not happy. So he left his family to seek truth. Really important. That's what Buddhists do. Quote, seek truth. Interesting term, right? His solution, that the problem of life that created this separation is craving. We all crave things. So his answer was the eightfold path to enlightenment where you'll reach a point where you no longer crave life. That's called nirvana, not the band. That's called nirvana. Where you have total disinterest in everything but truth. You no longer worry about passions, earthly attachments, emotional attachments. You escape the illusion of life because life is not really real. It's just an illusion. But you're seeking truth on the eightfold path to enlightenment. We're not here to totally analyze Buddhism, but that's stupid. 
We'll leave it there. Many people believe it. Many famous people believe it. A lot of Hollywood types are into this. think it's cool. Second, Hinduism. Remember, Buddhism said there is no such thing as an ultimate God. Okay? Hinduism says everything is a God. called pantheism. That chair is God. Your car is God. For some of you, I know that's the case, but... Everything is God, and God is in everything. Pantheism. Every one of us can be a God. We have to get in touch with our divinity. That's what Hindus teach. The key to that is meditation. Meditation. There are thousands of gods. Some, some Hindus believe there are thousands of God, other, uh, gods. Other Hindus believe there is no, there are none. You have Krishna, Shiva, where, or some of their gods, two of their gods. They're very violent, very erotic, even pictured with uh, sexual imagery, skulls, very uh, weird stuff. Shiva is. The world to a Hindu is simply an illusion, again. History, this is important, history to a Hindu is simply a repeated cycle with no end. It just keeps on and on. Reincarnation, one of the basic tenets of Hinduism, is our endless trip through this cycle of many lives. Suffering is part of that. It's necessary. It's unavoidable. Unavoidable is part of the cycle because it's what karma is. It's accumulation of your past deeds. The suffering is repayment in this life. is suffering. Suffering in this life is repayment for what you did in another life. So you keep coming back, re- being reincarnated over and over again until ultimately you become one with the universe get it right. So if someone in this life, that's where the caste system came from in India, if someone in this life is poor and suffering, they deserve it. They deserve it because of a past life and something they did in that past life. Third is Islam. In Islam, God's name is Allah. The father of Islam is Abraham from our Bible and his son Ishmael. Remember the story? Abraham had a son by Hagar's handmaiden named Ishmael. God has said, I want you, you're going to have an heir. You're going to have a son through whom I will bring the Messiah, and it will be Sarah's son. And Sarah was old, couldn't have children, so he has a child with, with her handmaiden Hagar named Ishmael, and he put Ishmael before God, and God said, no, I told you who was, Sarah was going to have a baby. That's the heir. The Muslims are descendants of Ishmael son of Hagar, the handmaiden of Sarah. The word Islam means submission. Their Bible is called the Quran. It's divine messages from the angel Gabriel to the prophet Muhammad, self-proclaimed prophet Muhammad. By the way, Muhammad. By the way, Muhammad could not read or write. He was given special permission by Allah to have 13 wives. The last wife that Muhammad had was nine years old. Muslims are very devout, very serious. We obviously see it how it's being worked out um, in all the terror, terrorists and all the stuff that's going on for many, not all. Muslims are devout, they're very serious. They memorize the Quran. They pray at least five times a day. They fast for one month every year. Uh, salvation to them is earned. One way you earn it is by dying a martyr in the killing of infidels. Evangelism to them is not done by the word, but by the sword. You must kill the infidel. Salvation becomes by, if you believe in the imam, that's the articles of faith, if you practice the den, that's the religious duties. If you recite the kalima, if you pray daily, if you fast, you give alms, and you take a pilgrimage to Mecca at some point 
in your life. You earn it. Judaism. Let's hit that one quickly. Judaism. The mother of Christianity. Their scriptures of what we would call our Old Testament. They have the same moral code, the same commandments, the same God. But they do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They believe Messiah is yet to come. That when Messiah comes, he will come to set up his, earth, his kingdom on earth. Not the spiritual kingdom. That's why you see Jesus, by the way. Read the Gospels over and over and over again. What did he say to the Jews? My kingdom is not of this world. Even his own followers. It's not of this world. It's not of this world. I came down from heaven. It's the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, not a physical one. Even his own followers expected what? He was going to overthrow the Romans and set up the kingdom on earth. That's why he kept saying, no, no, no. My kingdom is not. And when did they finally get it? Even at the crucifixion they weren't. They didn't get it. When did they finally get it? When he rose from the dead. And he ascended. He said then, now you go into all the world. And you make learner followers of me. All the pagans. You teach them what I've taught you. And I will be with you forever. You go. That's what, by the way, that's called the church age. And guess what? We're still part of that. Still going on. That commission has not changed. That's why we do what we do. Jesus told us to. So, this idea of exclusivity. For example, Muslims believe the Quran is the only word of God, and only as it's written in Arabic. Hindus believe karma is an absolute. Their scriptures is absolute authority. The incarnation is a fact. All religions, all religions, man's attempt to earn God's favor. a simple example of this. How many of you have a three-year-old? Anybody have a three-year-old? I have a two-year-old. Four-year-old. Yeah, have any little, anybody have children? I got a two-year-old granddaughter. But let's say you have a three-year-old daughter. You are her father. Use that example for a moment. You're the father. She's constantly, when you're that, they're that age, they kind of think you're cool and they like you. Add 10 years, they want nothing to do with you because you're no longer cool. But let's say you've got a three-year-old and she's always wanting daddy to do what? Pick me up, daddy. Pick me up, daddy. Daddy, hold me. Daddy, carry me around. Daddy, throw me up in the ceiling fan. Daddy. Now let's say daddy... It's all these other religions. And here's what they do. Come on. Come on. Daddy, pick you up. Come on. Jump. Jump. Is that all you got? If you want daddy to hold you, you're going to have to get up here. Come on. But then Christianity. Daddy, hold me, daddy. What's daddy do? Come here. He wraps his arms around you and he says, daddy loves you. You study these other religions, you don't hear terms like God loves you. You don't hear terms like your father, personal God. You don't hear terms like intimacy, relationship. What you hear is kill the infidel. What you hear is do the best you can. Get in touch with your inner God. You're one with the universe. I don't even know what that means. But do know this, for God so loved Randy Locke. That he gave Jesus for me. Gave. And he bent down and said, come here, son. I love you. I 
love you. I love you so much, I'm going to die in your place so I can be your daddy forever. That's special, isn't it? Special. Different. All religions are valid only in a sense people have the right to choose to believe whatever they want, but they're not truth. Second point, we're going to hit these and we're going to be done quickly. All truth is relative. All truth is relative. Second point of pluralism. And it goes hand in hand with the third point, and the third point is all that matters is sincerity. It doesn't matter what you believe, just believe it with all your heart. All truth is relative. It's impossible to find absolute truth because everybody claims their truth is the truth, right? So truth is relative. Again, the right to believe is relative. Truth is not. It's either true or it isn't. You know why people believe, you know why people believe and like relativism, moral relativism so much, and that's really where our culture is today? You know why people like that so much? It's easy. It's non-threatening. You really don't have to worry about accountability. It's just, Scott, you do whatever you want to do. and You do whatever you want to do. Michael, do whatever you want to do, Mike. And Mary, you do whatever you want to do. And Danny, it doesn't matter. It's all good. What's the problem? Who loves that, by the way? Satan does. Satan does. He loves religion. See, to say all truth is relative and all that matters is just being sincere, that sounds politically correct, doesn't it? It sounds fair. Christianity is not fair. He says there's only one way. Here's the bottom line. Because they're saying all truth is relative. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. Let me give you one more point and then we're going to pray. If they're saying all truth is relative, then here's the point. And all that matters is that you're sincere. Then whatever you, anyone believes is true, right? So Adolf Hitler, who was a very religious man and believed what he was doing was of God, was that true? Was it true? If you believe in moral relativism, it was. Absolutely was. That's what he believed. He thought anybody that was not white and Aryan should be wiped out. That was his religion. He was sincere about it, wasn't he? But he was wrong. The truth not relative. Jesus said, I am the truth. I'll set you free. Everything else will keep you in bondage. Next week, we're going to see what that means. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, as we pause before you, we thank you that we can use a term like father, not the God of the universe, even though you are that. The God who is the universe, you're above that. You are the creator of it. You're not part of it. You are the creator of it. We thank you that you are preeminent over all. You are our Father also. Personal, relational, intimate, caring. We thank you for Jesus. He was exactly who he said he was, the way, the truth, and the life. We can have peace. We can have hope. We can have eternal life because we have Jesus. So I pray, Father, for us as Christians, we believe that. I pray we'd be excited about it because truth matters. We'd share it in a loving, gentle, respectful, compassionate way, share Jesus.
because he's the only one that's going to change individuals. He's the only one that's going to change our country, Lord. Politics aren't going to change it, but Jesus can. Use us, Father, one-on-one every time we get a chance to share our Lord and Savior. And for somebody here, Father, who is convinced today for the first time that Jesus is the way, I pray just simply right now they would say yes to him. Lord, I want to follow you. I want to be a Christ follower. I believe you are the truth, the way. This will be their moment. For those of us who are believers, we'd be motivated and excited to go share our faith. We pray in Jesus' name.